Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome. Welcome once again to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach. And I am here with Wayne Mullins. Now, Wayne is a husband, a father of four, an entrepreneur. He's a founder, uh, the founder, I should say, of Ugly Mug Marketing. He's creator of the Freelance Accelerator and author of Full Circle Marketing. He focuses on helping entrepreneurs to build exceptional teams and create high-performance cultures. He's also an out-of-the-box, against-the-grain thinker, and it has more than paid off for his company and his clients. He leads from the heart. He's passionate and unapologetic about doing so. And as founder of Ugly Mug Marketing, he's inspired clients from over 100 industries, and his work directly influences more than 250,000 entrepreneurs annually. Absolutely remarkable. Well, Wayne, welcome to the show. So glad to have you here. Uh, I'd love to just add a little color to this story. You've you've done a lot in your career. Tell us a little bit about how you know, being an entrepreneur has actually thrust you into uh, in influencing and affecting and 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 helping entrepreneurs around the world. Yeah, what I would say to that, Scott, is uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Thanks for the opportunity to come on and share. Um, I love being around entrepreneurs. I love talking about business and talking about, you know, the challenges and the opportunities that we face as entrepreneurs. And I think for me, really what has shifted my purpose or my passion has come from living through some of these difficult challenges, right? Um, I remember in the early days of my journey that I was trying to figure out how to make this agency work, how to make this business work. And I would turn to people for what I thought was advice and they would pour their heart out to me. They would give me these things that they thought I should do or shouldn't do. And I would go and attempt to implement what I was hearing. And what I learned over time, though, Scott, is this, that there's a big difference between advice and opinion. You see, anyone can give you their opinion, but you have to be careful about who you go to to get advice from. And so for me, what I've learned is that there are certain groups of people, there are certain types of people that I am able, I'm uniquely gifted based on my experience, my skills to give advice to. And it's those people that I love pouring my life into, pouring my knowledge into and helping them get where they're trying to get to. 
There's just so much in that. I mean, you even go to, um, you know, some of the, I work with lots of coaches. So one of the, the mistakes that coaches make is they don't catch that difference. They, oh, I, I did marketing in the past. I can help you with your content. Or, you know, I had to look at a P&L once. Sure, I can help you with that, right? They have lots of opinions, maybe even educated opinions, but do those really qualify as the right advice, particularly at the right time? So I love that. Uh, and, and so, um, when it comes to one of the things that I was, I was kind of doing some research for the episode. One of the things that I, I saw you refer to is something called the freedom formula. Uh, I'd love for you to share a little bit. What is the freedom formula? How does it work? And, and how can folks start to even implement it in their own businesses? Yeah. So the, the short version of that, um, because I could spend all day talking about this is for a lot of entrepreneurs, for a lot of coaches, we go into these pursuits with this idea that we want freedom, right? We don't want someone telling us when to show up. We don't want someone uh, putting a cap on how much money we can make and all these other things. But what I discovered very early on is that there's a difference between freedom from and freedom to. And if we're not careful about that simple distinction, what happens is we are running from something. In other words, we're running from having a boss tell us when to show up. We're running from a cap on our salary, our income, versus running to a mission, a purpose, some value, some things that drive us. And so at the end of the day, what I would say, the, the succinct version of this is that you have to be crystal clear on what freedom are you seeking? Are you merely seeking freedom from, or are you seeking freedom to? Because if you're running from something, you're always going to fall into that trap of constantly running from something else. Yeah. This is so, so good. I love that language. Freedom, for, uh, in, instead of freedom from going freedom to, and, and I, you know, I've said that same thing to, to multiple people. It's like, hey, you know, even, even at the very end of the entrepreneurial journey, you're looking at getting out of it, selling. I, I tell folks, hey, like, are you trying to go from something? Are you trying to run away from the business you built? Or are you actually moving to something? So I absolutely love that. But if we dial down kind of earlier in the process, uh, I always talk about the how not to's, right? That, you know, that first stage of that journey, you're like, you're dissatisfied. It's uncomfortable. You don't want to be doing something. You've got a boss you don't like. You're doing a job you don't like, whatever it may be. And we, we build this whole kind of reservoir of how not to's. I'm not going to treat my employees that way. I'm, I'm not going to treat my clients that way. But how not to's are not a strategy, right? They're just ruling out one possibility. And, uh, and so I love this idea of you're not just trying to get rid of the boss. If you're really looking at, should I start a business? Um, yeah, and not even do I have what it takes, but is that the right step for me? What separates dissatisfied employees who are just in a bad environment from those who are destined to be founders, and destined is a hard word, but who, who, who are ready to make that leap is exactly what you're talking about. They're not looking to just get away from something. They've got this thing inside them and say, hey, there's a better way, right? There, there's, a, there's a different way that I can do this. So I, I absolutely love that. Um, and now one of the things that happens, let's say you make the leap, you're a founder, you do you know, those initial steps right, uh, and and you start bringing some people around you, right? You, you need some help. You bring some employees in. And uh, I don't know about you, but I have never met a founder who started their business so that they could manage people and hold them accountable, right? That's, that's just not really high on the list of inspiring activities, particularly for the type of people who tend to, to, to found businesses. So you again, you talk a lot about this idea of self-accountability. So 
how do we move from being chief accountability officer, right? Just constantly like trying to get people to do what they're supposed to do to building a self-accountable culture. And that question, Scott, is one that plagued me literally for probably the first seven or eight years of owning this particular business because I was the person you just described. I was the person who started this business and I absolutely hated having to manage a team, having to lead a team, having to hold them accountable, having to, you know, check every little thing that they did. And so that question was what drove me to start really studying how do you actually build a culture in an organization that is self-accountable and high performance. Yeah. And if I could boil it down to just two simple things, as entrepreneurs or as coaches, we have to learn to balance these two things. Element number one, we have to learn to balance alignment. In other words, getting all the right people pulling in the right direction. Do we have, as cliche as this is going to sound, but do we have a clear vision? Do we have a mission? Do we have a purpose? Do we have values? And then are our people aligned around those things? That falls solely on our shoulders. The other element of this is autonomy, right? And so for most entrepreneurs, here's what I've discovered is we vacillate between micromanagement, which is all about alignment, making sure every I is dotted, T is crossed. Or the other side of that is hands off, let people run free, do what they want to do. And then we go to them and we look at what they've done and we say, what in the world are you thinking? Why did you do this? This isn't what I wanted. And so we jump back and forth between these two things. And what I will tell you is that when you are great at building alignment around those things that are so cliche, right? The things that we we know we should create, we know we should have, but then they sit in a drawer somewhere, they sit on a file hidden in Google Drive somewhere um, versus bringing those documents to life, ingraining them into the culture that we have. And, and just how do you do that? Because I, I've found, I mean, it's actually not uncommon for folks to have at least thought about vision, mission, values, or some aspect of culture. Uh, and, and I would say if all you do is take the step of defining those, but you never really go from there, I actually think that's worse than having not done that in the first place because you, you just, you never reinforce it. Sometimes you hold people you know, to that standard. Sometimes you don't. Uh, you put it on T-shirts, but you don't live it yourself. You know, it's just, it, it gets it gets really ugly really quickly. So how do you bring what is otherwise a, a document, a drawer, how do you bring that to life? Step number one is you have to live it, Right. I see this all the time. We as owners, as entrepreneurs, we often give ourselves a pass. In other words, our general rule here is we show up at eight o'clock, we end at five o'clock. And so let's just say that that's the rule you have set for your organization. It's eight to five, Monday through Friday with an hour for lunch, okay? Well, what happens is as the owner, I think, well, I own this place. Like I don't have to show up at eight o'clock. If I roll in the door at 8.07, 8.15, it's okay, right? Because it's my business, I can do what I want. What we're communicating to the team is this rule, this value of being on time and being present and ready to show up isn't really that valuable. It's valuable to you, but you know I'm not going to hold myself to that standard. And so I think we have to start with looking at ourselves in the mirror and being completely honest. Am I giving myself a pass? In other words, do I have different standards for my team than I have for myself yeah. or for myself? Yeah. And that I think is the the starting place for us to ensure that our values are actually lived out because your values are not your values until they cost you something. 
Yeah. Right. So I can talk all day about how we value creating remarkable experiences, but until it actually costs us something to create remarkable experience, in other words, until I have to dip into the profit to create a remarkable experience for someone who deserves that experience, then it's really not a value. Or I can say we value integrity or we value trust, but until those things cost us something, they really aren't values. They're merely, merely platitudes. They're words on a wall or on a t-shirt, like you said, Scott. Yes, yeah, fantastic. It is so, so very true. Uh, and, and I think that goes right to the heart of the issue of if, if you know, if you put it on the t-shirt, but you, the person wearing this t-shirt doesn't live it out, right? Now folks have to like, what's the, what's up with this gap? What, what do I do? Do I follow your actions? Do I follow your words? Uh, and when you look at the studies around it, you know, I think it's 60, 70% of the time we will follow their actions and not their words. Uh, and then, you know, then as an entrepreneur, we're thinking, what's wrong with these people, right? You know, you get there, the one day you show up at eight, nobody else is there yet. You, you throw a big temper tantrum. It doesn't work that way. So uh, let's, let's go back to this idea because I, it's, I agree, it's really, really important. Uh, this I, idea of, you know, self-accountable culture, self-accountable employees. And the question that I have for you, is, is this something that any employee can learn? Uh, is it something that an entrepreneur should have to teach to everybody? Uh, or is it something that you actually hire in? Tell me a little bit what how you, 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 you navigate that. So I'm going to cheat with this answer. And I'm going to say it's a combination of both, Scott. So your culture, whether you are intentional about building your culture or whether it's just unintentional, right? There's a culture that exists. And if you want to know the true culture of your organization, it is how people behave, how they act when the boss is away. That is the true culture that exists in your organization. And so what I think to be true is that when we understand that element, that it's what takes place when I'm not here, it shifts our mentality from I am a boss, I am a manager, I am a leader, I have to do all these things. And what it really does is it shifts my mindset, at least, into this idea that I'm a coach. I am here to help each of these people become a little better each and every day. Now, again, what I view that does for me, at least, is it it helps me view them as a peer, as someone I'm coming along beside, not from the top down, but from beside them or even from behind them and helping push them up, helping elevate them and stretch them. And I firmly believe that if you're going to create this culture of high accountability, um, that from a coaching perspective, you have to, number one, have their best interest at heart. Now, it's easy to say that. Like I can say all day long, I have my team's best interest at heart. The question is, do they genuinely believe that? Because if they don't believe that, they don't feel that in their core, then it's not true. Number two, I must be willing to push my team out of their comfort zones. I must push them into discomfort. And here's the other important point. That is different for each and every person. So what is uncomfortable for person A is going to be different than person B. But my role as a coach is to push them into that discomfort because we all know this to be true. When we go to the gym to get in shape, it's the discomfort that pushes us to that next level. It's the discomfort that enables us to grow. So we have to, one, have their best interest at heart. Number two, push them into discomfort. And number three, we must give them space and help them learn from that period of discomfort. You see, if we're always pushing them, constantly pushing them, 
that's not an organization that people want to be a part of, right? We have to give the space for recovery. And to quickly jump back to the exercise analogy, muscles don't grow while you're at the gym. Muscles actually grow during recovery. And the same is true for building your culture and your team. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is so true. And, and, and because when you look at it, you know, different leaders will have kind of a different uh, vice in this, right? Some will, they have the best interests of their culture, but they, they, they won't stand in the discomfort with them, right? They, they shy away from the discomfort. Or you have some who are like, they're fine with the discomfort. And, and they actually start to think something's wrong if there's not discomfort. And, and so what you've got to do and, and what you've, you've nailed, it really throughout this episode is the tension between these realities, right? Uh, and, and hanging on to both of those. I love that. And uh, uh, another question for you along these same lines, uh, and that is, you talk about having their best interest in mind and, and laying that as kind of the foundation for these different steps. Uh, if you look at it through that lens, what are the benefits that your employees gain when they learn to lead themselves? Mm. Man, that's, I could get on a soapbox on that one. So they gain so much. Um, they gain a lot more self-confidence, self-respect. They also gain the respect of their peers because their peers see their evolution. They see them progressing. They see them going from someone who, you know, is just out of school or just coming over, you know, no experience in the industry. And they see that progression in those person. Um, you know, I, when you have their best interest at heart, what that means is you are vested in what is best for them over what is best for you and your business. And that is extremely difficult to get to. But it is that mentality, it is that belief that leads to the culture. It leads to the type of organization where people want to show up. They want to sacrifice for the team. They want to be there after hours or on the weekends whenever it's necessary because they know that you have their best interests at heart. Yeah. Yeah. So we've covered so much ground. Uh, I just want to kind of put a bow on it here because, um, uh, you know, folks are just like, you've hit them with like the one, two punch here. It just, it's such great stuff. If you're listening to this, go back and just listen to it again, because I'm sure you missed about half of what Wayne has put out. It's just fantastic. Uh, but I'm wondering again, if you could put a bow on this for us, tell us, what do you think is the biggest secret that shouldn't be a secret at all? What's that one thing that you wish everybody watching or listening today knew? The one is a tough one, narrowing it to one specific thing. But what I will say is this, consistency creates miracles. So when it comes to building a self-accountable culture, you have to be consistent. And I get it. Like we are so incredibly busy. We have a million different things going on. Um, we have all these you know, plates that we have to keep spinning and in the air at the same time. And so I get it. Being consistent can be the biggest challenge that we face. But being consistent in those little disciplines make all the difference in the world. Yeah, that is so true. It's so true. Uh, it, it's um, it's interesting to mistake the dynamism of entrepreneurism, right? You're just constantly trying and figuring to mistake that as right to be sloppy, right? And and, and you're right. It, when you look at those who really pull through those those relatively earlier stages, who create that growth, and then it doesn't collapse in on itself. 
they have a value baked in of consistency. Uh, and and I, I love that point. So uh, I'm going to have you shift gears for a moment. I'm going to have you take off your, your kind of entrepreneurial advisor hat, uh, put on your CEO hat again and talk to us, what's the next stage of growth look like for you as a leader and what challenge will you have to overcome to get there? So my answer is not that sexy, um, but it, it's consistent with what I believe to be true. And, you know, I would love to get on here and say, you know, our goal is, you know, we're going to a thousand X growth next year or, you know, all these things are, you know, triple our profit margins and all that. And although the entrepreneur in me wants those things, what I've conditioned myself to understand is that what I would rather want is what is best for my team. And what is best for my team is solid incremental growth. So there are, I believe there's kind of these four stages that exist in an organization. So at the very bottom, it's stagnant, right? So that is not where we want to be. The next one is comfort. That's where everyone is comfortable. The one above that is complexity and above that is chaos. So the fastest growing companies, the ones that make the Inc. 5000, if you peered inside of those organizations, they are complete chaos, complete and total chaos. We have a, a client who's gone from, let's just call it 15 million and over a five-year period, they're now in excess of 500 million in a five-year period. The inside of that organization is complete chaos, pandemonium. And the culture reflects that, right? The culture reflects that. And so what I've learned is I want to vacillate between complexity, which is where I take people out of their comfort zone, because that that is where growth occurs. Growth occurs when we step up into that level of complexity, where we're breaking things that are comfortable, when we're breaking things that got us to where we are today so that we can go to the next level. So I want to vacillate between complexity and then back into comfort which means I have to be willing to say it's okay to grow incrementally, right? We don't have to have triple digits across the board in every single thing. So that's that's my challenge, staying focused on that because at the end of the day, I believe that's what's best for the team and best for the culture. That's so good. That's so good. Uh, it would uh, it would, we would be remiss to not at, at least uh, give a, a little bit of time here to the book. You've got a book out. Uh, it's full, full circle marketing. Is that right? I had my notes here. Um, uh, so what was the big idea that you wanted to share that, that ultimately drove you to write that book? The big idea is simply this, that we live in a world today where 6.4, 6.5 billion people have this little device that I'm holding up called a smartphone. And that means within a matter of seconds, anyone in this world can share their thoughts and opinions about you and your business. And yet, as businesses, we are so still focused on finding new strangers and getting them to buy our products or services versus turning our existing customers and clients into evangelists for us. And so the question, the big question is this, what percent of your marketing budget goes to finding and attracting new customers or clients versus what percent of your budget goes to actually converting your existing customers into evangelists? So the premise is you're not spending enough own your existing customers, getting them to be evangelists for you. And then how do you go about doing that? Wow. Wow. Fantastic. Uh, I, I know I, I want to read it. <laughs> uh, so uh, where can we find the book uh, first? And then uh, next question is, where can find folks find more out about you and the work that you and your team do? Yeah, for the book, it's available at all online retailers. You can find it there. Um, and then with regards to connecting with me, our website's probably the simplest place, uglymugmarketing.com. 
contact information, social medias, emails, all that stuff is there. Um, and then from a kind of a personal slash leadership slash not directly marketing related stuff uh, on Instagram, I share quite a bit and it's at fire yourself. Fantastic. Well, Wayne, just a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for being here. I deeply appreciate it. And for those of you watching or listening, you know that your time and attention mean the world to us. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I know I did, and I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes. Go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.